0: Good morning and welcome to Rochester Life. Today, we are on our 10th lesson in the launch series, where we've been walking through and taking a look at the early church in the book of Acts. And today I've titled the message, A Transformation Story. And if you love a transformation story like I do, this is going to be your Sunday, Maybe it, you know if you've ever felt like you were an unlikely candidate for God to use. Well, there's some good news uh, for you today. And maybe you've wondered if a friend, family member, loved one was too far gone to surrender their heart and their life to Christ. There is hope um, in this story that we're going to discuss today. I want to play a short video this morning of a transformation story. And when we get done, we'll get into the word and look at another
1: one. I really felt like I ruined my life beyond repair. I was just, I was lost. One day I was woken by my, my dad and he said that my mom was in a horrible car accident. She said she was in critical condition in the hospital. All I remember after the car accident was um, children and youth stepping in and taking me and my brother out of the home and placing us in foster care. Um, that was probably the most devastating thing that i say probably happened in my life. I didn't understand why I was taken from my mom um, and placed in what I thought was a punishment. Um, I felt like I was being punished for what somebody else did. When I was 16 years old, I committed a crime. Um, I got arrested for it when I was 17, and they charged me as an adult and sent me to Camp Hill State Prison, where I turned 18. I got, I got out of prison when I was 21. Um, I still had a piece of me missing. Um, everything was good for a while, and then like this, This emptiness inside me just drove me to drugs again. I started dabbling with harder drugs this time. I ended up getting caught with a whole bunch of drugs and um, ended up doing a lot of time for that uh, four year period altogether. When I got out of jail, there's still something missing. Was moving from one place to another, being over here in this city, moving over here, looking for something that was, you know, just not there. I didn't have anywhere to go where I was. I was living in Cumberland, Maryland, and um, I decided, you know, that I would just get a tent and go stay in the woods and try to find a job. I woke up one day by the state police of Maryland telling me to get out of my tent and I couldn't camp there because it was private property. They threw me out of my homelessness to go be homeless somewhere else. So like, you know, that like really hit hit me and I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I was I was I was really hurt and broken, like just being out there in the streets and stuff. And I got on my bike and I'm riding around looking for another place to basically camp and I came up over this hill and there was a, a big Assemblies of God Church. And um, So I go in and I talk, I talk to the pastor and I'm, I asked him, what time is your service on Sunday? And he said, he looked at me you know, like this and he was like, do you need to talk? And I'm like, yeah. And um, he, uh, he, he took me in the office and he sat me down and the first question he asked me is where do I live? and at that moment I just I lost it I was just like you know I'm homeless I'm living in the woods and and he he just he he called a couple people and they came and they prayed with me and they were like you know it's going to be okay and we're going to work through this and um he introduced me to a couple people in the church and um you know and I just kept you know seeking the Lord and going to the Bible studies and you know, seeing what, you know, my purpose really was, and and whenever I found out, you know, that that God really does love us, it, it, it was just, it was like that hole in me was filled that I chased my whole entire life. I was reading in the Bible where um, it says in Romans 13 that we should submit to our governing authority. And um, in my heart, I knew that I had warrants out for my arrest. And um, I decided the thing to do was to go to the police station and turn myself in. One of the warrants that I had was from Adams County from a long time ago. And um, so when I got here, um, I did a little bit of time in the county jail. And as I was in the county, I was reading the word Going to like all the Bible studies and like really seeking God and trying to figure out you know, what, what his direction for my life was. And I came across this pamphlet for the, uh, the Freedom House. I, I thought being as though I was you know just starting my walk with the Lord and stuff, I thought it would be a really good idea to not go right back to the streets and instead to go to a Christian discipleship program. My life now is, is uh, peaceful, um, I have joy. I don't have like anxiety knowing like, is tomorrow gonna be my last day on the street? Is you know, is everything I'm doing in my life right now useless because the enemy's just gonna steal it all the way anyway? Like I don't have that fear today. There's a scripture in Colossians, uh, I think it's one twenty-two. It says that um, for those who are in Christ, um, we brought into his presence and we stand holy and blameless before him without a single fault.
0: Wasn't that awesome? To see what God can do in a life. Watching that video, it, it made me cry, but it also encouraged me and it gave me hope for both myself and for others. And today we are going to focus on another person's transformation story found in the book of Acts. Other than Jesus himself, I would say that the person we're going to discuss today is one of, if not the most integral player in church history. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. He was chosen by God to minister to the Gentiles His writing and his preaching encouraged the early church. It encourages us today. It taught them and it teaches us how to live a God-centered life in a self-centered world. He went on three missionary journeys that carried and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ across the world. His impact on the church is massive. But before he accomplished any of this, there was a turning point in this person's life. His life took a major 180 when he went from an enemy of the faith to a preacher of the gospel. And I am sure a lot of you have guessed who we're going to be talking about based on my many clues. But today we're going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 9 and the conversion of Saul, later called Paul, but Saul on his way to Damascus. And the conversion of Paul had a major impact definitely on his life, um, but on all church history and even us today. He was a unique individual. By birth, he was a Jew. By conviction, he was a Pharisee. By citizenship, he was a Roman. By education, he was a Greek. And then, as we will learn about today by grace, a Christian. He became a missionary, a theologian. He was an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a preacher, an organizer, a leader, a thinker, a fighter. He was a prisoner, a writer, and ultimately at the end of his life, he was a martyr. But before we turn to Acts chapter nine, let's take a look at the first mention of Saul, which is in Acts chapter seven, beginning at verse 54. Here, we're going to look at the first account of a Christian martyr, Stephen. So Acts chapter seven, beginning at verse 54, it says, The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. So we see here that Saul is at the stoning of Stephen. And not only that, he endorsed the stoning of Stephen and watched it take place. Now let's move on to Acts chapter nine, beginning at verse one. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus, Named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. "'Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation "'among Jesus's followers in Jerusalem?' they asked. "'And didn't he come here to arrest them "'and take them in chains to the leading priests?' "'Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, "'and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs "'that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. "'After a while, some of the Jews plotted together "'to kill him.'" They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him but Saul was told about their plot so during the night some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall when Saul arrived in Jerusalem he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him they did not believe he had truly become a believer and then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews and they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. So the first bit of good news that I see from this transformation story is this your past does not cancel you. We live in a cancel culture. Matter of fact, that's a popular term nowadays where something from your past can be called out on social media and a person can be quickly, quickly ostracized by the masses. Game over, you were written off. But thank goodness, God does not endorse a cancel culture. In his kingdom, a person's past, no matter how sordid, how scandalous, how wrong, how shameful, it does not count you out. He's more interested in a person's future. He's interested in a beautiful transformation story and his forgiveness is full and final. You know, by Paul's own admission, he was a murderer, a persecutor of the church. It says in Acts chapter 22, verse four, and I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. He also says in Acts 26, verse 10, indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. He was openly and zealously, if that's a word, rebellious to the Lord. And yet God wanted to write a beautiful transformation story with his life. Although although Paul's transformation is unique, as all of our stories are, The fact that God transforms lives rather than cancels them is not unique. Peter preached his greatest message and had his greatest ministry after he had denied the Lord three times. Moses was a murderer, yet God used him for his glory. Abraham lied and yet he was used of the Lord mightily. Jacob was a deceiver and yet the Lord transformed and used him greatly. And the list goes on and on. So good news for you and for me, you are not canceled. God is not banning you from usefulness in his kingdom. He desires to write a unique, one of a kind transformation story with your life, just as he did with Paul and with countless others. The second piece of good news that I see from this transformation story is this, Our present circumstances are not an obstacle. Our present circumstances, no matter what they are, are not an obstacle for God. Not only does your past not count you out, but your present doesn't either. You know, when Saul was blinded by the light, he was on his way to arrest Christians in Damascus to drag them back to Jerusalem in chains and likely lead them to their deaths. Yet, In spite of his life circumstances, God had a transformation plan to change Saul's heart, the course of his life and of the church that he was currently persecuting. Again, this is not unique to Paul. God has demonstrated time and again that he can overcome any circumstance, any circumstance to accomplish his plan Again, I think of Moses, he was up there in years, he had a speech impediment and God uses him to deliver his people to the promised land. God uses a young Jewish girl named Esther to save his people from being annihilated. He used a young shepherd boy named David to be the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. God used 12 unknown men, many of who were uneducated, some were social outcasts, all from various walks of life, to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the world. God is able to overcome our circumstances as well. You know, those things that we think of as a deficit or a handicap or a weakness are nothing that he is not able to overcome. He can take us right now, just as we are, and use us for his glory. All we have to do is let him. You know, he knows who you are. He knows where you came from. He knows what problems you are facing. He knows what personality quirks you've got going on. God can and will use you if you will make yourself available to him and his work. There's no circumstance that you or I face that will catch him by surprise. He wants us and he wants to write a transformation story with our lives. We may look at ourselves, as I have, and wonder how or why God would want to use someone like us. But the truth of the matter is that God doesn't need us to be perfect. That's another piece of good news. Or even strong or capable on our own. He just needs us to have a desire to serve and a life that's surrendered to him. And so we can let him take care of the rest because he wants to work through our current circumstances. And the third and final piece of good news for today that I wanna share with you is that God uses others to change us, whether we like it or not sometimes. I've noticed that God's transformation stories include lots of one another's. Probably the most well-known one another that you or I could think of is love one another. But there are many others as well. Here are just a few. How about be at peace with one another. Accept one another. Be kind to one another. Seek good for one another. The one we all love. Confess your sins to one another. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another and be hospitable to one another. And we see in Paul's story where this man, Ananias, a different Ananias than the whole Ananias and Sapphira story, but this man, Ananias was very hesitant to obey God and go visit Saul, but he did. And I don't know, but how many of you can identify with Ananias's hesitancy here? I sure can. This guy is known for killing people like me and you want me to march over and pray for him? Ananias laid hands on Saul and he was able to see again and immediately got baptized. Thank goodness that Ananias was willing to one another even when he had reservations. This part of the story is both a challenge to me to be obedient when God asks me to do something that I'm uncomfortable with. And it also makes me pause and just be grateful and give thanks for the Ananiases I've had in my life and still do today who are willing to one another with me, even when it's not easy, because I'm not easy all the time. Not a surprise probably to some. But Paul was preaching up a storm in Damascus And Jerusalem, and this once persecutor, now preacher, was getting quite a bit of attention, which angered the Jews, who began to plot his demise. And in Acts 9, starting at verse 22, it says, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him and they were watching for him day and night at the city gates so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Other believers gathered around Saul. They one anothered and kept him safe from harm. As brothers and sisters in Christ We need to look out for one another as well. Some believers, we also read beginning at verse 26, were still afraid of Saul and doubted their safety in his presence, given his former life. It says in start beginning in verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas, brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. You see here, Barnabas had Saul's back and vouched for him. And don't we all need friends like that? Those folks that believe in us, that are willing to stand up for us and cover us. God is fully fully, fully capable of accomplishing everything on his own. But he desires relationship with us and for us to be in relationship with one another. It's how we grow. It's how we transform. And I've always known that God grows us in community. But as I was preparing this message, the importance of this seems more urgent to me than ever before over the past year and a half due to a pandemic. Many of us have understandably tightened our circles a bit. We've hunkered down. We're doing church, many of us differently. And one of the side effects of these times is that we may not be giving and getting the amount of one anothering that we all need. And I wanna challenge you even in the midst of COVID to ask yourself, how are you doing with one anothering? Are you reaching out to get the one another time that you need? Are you reaching out to one another, to someone who needs you? Remember, God knows our present circumstances, and he is fully capable of working in us and through us despite a global pandemic. How can we love one another better right here and right now, and how can we be part of another person's transformation story and be the community that we all need. God's transformation in our lives is always a miraculous work. It may not involve being blinded by the light, but it always involves God's sovereignty and his grace. A person's past does not cancel them. Our present circumstances are no obstacle for God. And he uses people to bring about transformation in our lives. And he wants to use us to bring about transformation in others. God writes the most amazing transformation stories. It's what he specializes in. He wrote one for Saul and he's writing one in your life and my life as well. And as we close this morning, I thought it seemed appropriate to use the words that Paul, the former persecutor turned preacher, penned from a prison in Rome where he had already been falsely in prison for about five years at the time he wrote this prayer for the church in Ephesus. And it's my prayer for the church in Rochester this morning. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14 I wanna pray this over each one of us today. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining me today. I pray that you are encouraged that God is writing a transformation story with your life, and he wants to use you right now, right where you are, to help you transform others. I pray you have a great week.